Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. In the early days of Keyforge, we had the strategy podcast Bouncing Death Quark. They sunsetted the podcast just a few years into the game, but not without leaving behind some fantastic strategic tidbits that I think deserve a revisit now and a deep dive into what they what their strategy tips look like today in Keyforge's current environment. This is a revisit of the main house concept from Bouncing Death Quark here on Keyforge Public Radio. Let's get sweaty. Welcome to Keyforge Public Radio with your host, Zach Armstrong. Welcome, dear listener, to Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong. And I was a podcast fan long before I was a podcast host. One of the first podcasts I was listening to on a regular basis was Bouncing Death Quark, the strategy podcast by Kira Mode and Kodamron, who have since uh, disappeared off the face of the Crucible, but not without leaving behind a pretty solid strategic podcast that gave us a lot of language for understanding this game with a whole lot of paradigm shifts, right? A whole lot of new systems that you can't just transfer your understanding to from other card games. And one of the things they left was house rules, main houses, support houses, and burst houses. And so we're going to dive into what they meant by that and hash that out, drag that out a bit, unpack that for what is that looking like in Keyforge today? across the many sets that have come out since they coined these terms and how they can help us as we see the mechanics in board states and Keyforge expand and diversify in a whole lot of ways. Because here at Keyforge Public Radio, we want to help you be a better Keyforge player, much like Bouncing Death Quark did. But hey, I'm not them and they're not me. So let's do it our way this time. <laughs> so remember to be following the podcast if you're not so that you hear these episodes as they come out, as they drop into your feed every Wednesday. So what what does it mean to have a main house? Well, we'll cover the support and burst houses later, but what is a main house? What is a main house role? So something they mentioned on these old episodes is that repeatability is the key to a main house. What are cards you can play out onto the board that will hopefully stay on the board and you can get value from them turn after turn? A few of the examples are cards cards that let you get repeatable, repeatable effects instead of one-time effects. So looking at some Winds of Exchange cards, this would be uh, things like uh, Brick Nasty, which gives you an amber uh, after every time a friendly Brabnar creature fights. That can repeatedly get you amber turn after turn. That continues to reward you for calling Brabnar turn after turn. And that would be Brick Nasty instead of, let's say, the card Smith, which was reprinted in Winds of Exchange, which has an amber pip, and it says if you have more friendly creatures than there are enemy creatures, gain to amber. That's a one-time effect for three amber, so it's a great burst. It just knocks out that three and then goes to the discard pile, but of course, Brick Nasty as a creature is going to stay on the board and continually reward you for calling Brobnar. 
So that would be, that is one key to a main house, right? The example they used from Call of the Archons was Dew Fairy, not Dust Pixie. Dust Pixie being the one power creature with two amber pips on it and untamed in Call of the Archons. And then Dew Fairy is a two power elusive creature with reap gain one, which of course means you're gaining two total for that reap. So that is repeatable instead of the Dust Pixie just being uh, one and done as far as its amber pips are concerned. Now, of course, it can reap, but over time, if you call the house multiple times, Dew Fairy will end up being better. Although, of course, Untamed wants to burst strategically for a number of reasons, but that's uh, <laughs> outside of the scope of just thinking simply about a main house. Another another point they made was artifacts instead of action cards. So artifacts, of course, uh, are going to have a similar dynamic where those artifacts stick on the board and then get you that repeated value turn to turn. One of the untamed cards that I believe is coming back in Grim Reminders that was an old Call of the Archons card was Ritual of Balance, which has action if your opponent has six or more amber, steal one. That As soon as that's on the board, that's always on and always available to continue getting you value turn after turn once you've made the quote-unquote investment of playing it out and it getting ready and then calling untamed again. And action cards, of course, they have one effect, usually pretty strong, but then they've moved on. So the idea is that you want cards that give you long-term benefits that stick on the board and that you don't want to, a main house is a house where you don't have to play any cards from your hand to be happy about your turn, where those cards from the main house have gotten onto the board, they've stuck on the board, and you can call that, that house just for what's on the board and have a really productive turn advancing your game state. Now, of course, there's an opportunity cost for not calling a house that's going to let you cycle your hand, but if you've got a really good developed board state that's going to help you push to check maybe most turns or get most of the way there or cause some repeatable disruption, then that is a successful main house. So another point they made is that any house can really serve as a main house. It just depends on what the makeup of the house in that particular pod in that deck is right every house could serve as a main house if you have enough creatures that are going to stick on the board whether through elusive or being powerful having a lot of power or having amber excuse me armor (laughs) having armor on them or other ways to protect right like ward think about if you played winds of excuse me if you played worlds collide there was a lot of ward and the saurian house where you can get to place that ward token and prevent the next instance of damage or leaving play from that creature there was a lot of that in house saurian in winds of exchange making them a fantastic main house they've also made the point that a board wipe isn't a great tool uh, a great tool in a main house actually because you you want to be leaning into the main house and maintaining that board you want the board wipe in your burst or your support house that's going to come in to help once that main house is interrupted because once your opponent responds to your main house and is evening out the threat or has blown up some of your creatures, and then when the, the math says, okay, it's now an appropriate time to go ahead and play my board wipe, you want to be switching into a different house so that you're playing those new cards from hand that you've been building up or have built up in your hand over those turns that you were calling your main house. Just mathematically with how drawing and keyforge works. You want to be looking, you want to be playing that board wipe from a house where you're going to get to play some other cards and start to cycle your hand once they've responded to your board and you're punishing them with that board wipe. 
So looking forward, so we've been playing Winds of Exchange for, for some time now, at least here in the U.S., as, as Winds of Exchange trickles into our Keyforge friends in, in other countries over the past few months, and we're looking at Grim Reminders. And so what what is thinking about a main house? How does knowing that these are the traits of a main house and just placing placing these labels, these these frames onto how we play Keyforge, how does that help us think about these most these current sets and also just how we're making decisions? So one one thing to recognize is uh, one, you can see in how it one, it helps you analyze how a deck might want to work when you're looking at when you're looking at a deck list the most uh, simple way to think about looking for a main house is looking at a number of sticky creatures and a number of artifacts what house has enough of that where if you draw into those early enough say you have an opening hand with three or maybe even four of these creatures and artifacts that you think that you have a good chance of that being a really solid opener a really solid early game play to start to build out that board and force a response as you reap out or get some repeatable good effects, right? So what what house in your deck wants to be a main house? One way this has been affected by Winds of Exchange is with tokens. For instance, token flood decks. I've seen a number, and I have a great one myself, of token flood decks that can just flood, especially something like Grunt, where the three power just Martian soldier token creature without any other special abilities, but it's relatively sticky because it can take it can take a few hits and still live. And it it can really turn into a main house when you get enough of these to just reap out and hit the rule of six with them. You have cards like Space Invaders, where you can turn any creatures from your hand into token creatures, which is amazing for efficiency and house cheating and full tokenizing knowledge. Absolutely fantastic card. You have uh, Mark II Generator, which generates one token creature. You have Nyon Outpost, which you trade a creature on the board for two token creatures. And you're able to really push the number of creatures you have on your board and get to a point where you can simply reap out with Mars or whatever whatever board of creatures you have. You can just call that house, reap out, and be happy about that turn. Maybe you've got some fight effects or some other control effects that are handy in that house, but its main purpose is simply pushing you forward towards victory faster than your opponent. So tokens really push into that main house idea a lot, and it's it's less about just how many creatures are on the list in that house, and it's about what your token creature is, what else is going on in that house, and how many token makers you have in what houses. For instance, with a grunt deck, that is, of course, a Martian token creature so when you have cards like space invaders and nyon outpost you can be continually replenishing your supply of grunts as you call mars make more and reap out with them and use other martian tricks as you go along and one thing one thing that i think that points to with main houses that we've seen that is really advantageous that we've seen in, that we saw with Falafasaurus in Worlds Collide Sarian, which has after reap, look at the top three cards of your deck, add one to your hand, archive one, discard the other. And then we have things like Old Tinker, which I haven't seen be that powerful in in it's a very it's a very good main house card in Equidon in Winds of Exchange. It says after reap, draw a card, discard a card from your hand. That's a very good main house card. It just takes a certain setup for Equidon to really want to be a main house instead of a support or especially a burst house in in Winds of Exchange. There's a couple setups where Old Tinker really helps. And what Old Tinker does, what Falafasaurus does, 
is it gives you hand filtering in your main house where you can be reaping out, you can be fighting, and then you have a few cards that let you be filtering your hand and drawing cards so that while you're taking advantage of your main house and repeated back-to-back turns, you are preparing for whatever the next move is. Now, if your opponent has some creatures they're getting ready to fight into yours, right? Maybe they're getting a Crim Torch to the right with a seven power splash four. They're getting ready to, to fight with that. That you know they're digging for that board wipe while you're taking advantage of your board, you can be preparing to respond to their response because you're putting the pressure on. And if you're ahead on that board and they're about to have a turn where they try to wipe and set up something else, you can be crafting your hand to respond to what's going on there. Maybe they're going to capitalize on the fact you have a ton of creatures with something like Glorious View, which was reprinted in Winds of Exchange, where they gain one for the difference between friendly and enemy creatures if they're behind on that. And so you've got some burst hate that you're digging for and holding on to. So being able to craft your hand and uh, even craft your deck with things like Nyan Outpost, putting a friendly creature on the bottom, like we mentioned earlier, right? is a really powerful trait to have in a main house because you can be crafting your hand when in in other in other sets when you didn't have some hand filtering and draw like that in something that could be a main house you'd mostly be calling your main house and not playing any cards from your hand. Now, sometimes it's fine to just hold on to those cards because they're still good cards. They're still going to have good effects, and so you can just hold on to them while you reap out the benefit of having a big board. But sometimes you say, in this matchup or in this situation, I don't see this card being useful. I would much rather, if I'm able to, while I'm calling my main house, discard this card that's not going to be useful so I can draw into something else, maybe draw into more main house cards. So... Uh, a few of the situations, it's going to be looking looking at pods to include in a sealed alliance format, saying what could have main house potential, especially if you're doing Winds of Exchange, as we'll definitely have some more Winds of Exchange events if Ghost Galaxy really uh, delivers on having these uh, awesome store championships in, in Q1 as we go forward into the new year here. You're going to have some Winds of Exchange to... Winds of Exchange, where you're going to want to see the main house dynamics, especially with token makers, to figure out what could I what could I token flood? Burst is, of course, a strong, strong strategy in with either a lot of pips or a lot of burst cards in Winds of Exchange. A token flood is also a good archetype to go for, just making as many tokens as possible, especially if it's a solid token, and you can control the board and reap out and demand that they have a board wipe at the right time, or you simply win. So looking at what token you'd pick, what is making those tokens, especially if it's something in Mars, can you sustain a house where you can just keep calling it back to back and reaping the benefit of it and having really successful turns, even if you're you know not drawing any cards, you're not playing anything from hand. Artifacts are good here, of course, if you get artifacts late. That's just a bit of a low roll with an artifact, right? It's going to be a bit less effective. But as long as you're getting out on your first go through the deck, if you are going to flip through your deck and turn your discard pile back into your deck on flip, you're at least getting those artifacts out onto the board so that you don't have to play them again. You're seeing all the action cards or destroyed creatures that you went through the first time. So uh, I think main house really applies well to really applies well to winds of exchange because of tokens and so think think about that as you play more winds of exchange or you evaluate decks where 
that you want a strong board presence. We see a lot of, of crush decks, I believe, was the term coined by, I think, the Nordic Keyforge scene. Crush decks, especially in Mass Mutation, that just continually cheat out creatures, get creatures of um, many of the houses out, cheating with uh, Subject Kirby, uh, Captain Val Jericho, right? Letting you play cards off house as you go, all these sorts of things, and just absolutely flooding the board with these and demanding you board wipe, and then they just come right back. Winds of Exchange does its own version of that. Now, with Grim Reminders, what we're seeing, I won't spoil any specific cards for you here, but what we're seeing with Grim Reminders is that you'll be discarding a lot of cards from the top of your deck and from hand. So anything you get onto the board, there's going to be things that discard from your deck, that discard from hand, that when you play those, when you use those, you could get a board where you're constantly disrupting your opponent's hand, you're constantly disrupting, discarding, choosing what discard cards to discard from your own hand to get haunted, make some effects more powerful, then maybe stay there. And that's going to be a situation where if you want to get haunted and stay haunted and filter your hand, you're going to have a main house set up. And really, many of the different houses I've seen can do this. I've seen a lot in Brobnar. I've seen a lot in Geistoid that will be able to accomplish this, where you have a good number of creatures out, you have some very helpful artifacts, and you can just keep calling Brobnar or Geistoid over and over again, where you're uh, getting and staying haunted, and then your effects are getting a bit more powerful because you're haunted now. And then you can mostly keep yourself there. You're not going to want to be burning through your deck real fast after that if you can just sit in the advantage of being haunted and take advantage of the cards on your board. So that main house setup, I think very much the spirit of a main house is going to be there with perhaps other houses in in Grim Reminders as well. And it's definitely going to be there with Brobnar. It's definitely going to be there with Geistoid as far as getting cards onto the board, controlling the tempo of the game and being able to just call these houses back to back until your opponent responds and disrupts them in some way especially when you get to turn on Haunted, stay Haunted, and have all your effects be a bit more powerful when you're Haunted. And a lot of these are, are two-sided, uh, two-sided, or excuse me, optional uh, optional effects where if you, you can discard cards from your deck or you can discard cards from your opponent deck, it lets you pick the player. So you can be discarding your own stuff from hand and deck until you're Haunted, and then just be hitting your opponent to disrupt them as you keep yourself Haunted without moving quite as fast. So keep an eye out for main house, the main house mechanics and how you can keep calling that back to back, a house back to back to press your advantage, recognizing that you are the beatdown, right? You are the beatdown. You're the, you are the one with the advantage to press. You are the one demanding an answer from your opponent or you win. Don't get that analysis paralysis and just try to control them. You say, wait, I have, a, I'll take whatever you can throw at me on the chin. I have a bigger threat to present. Here we go. I demand an answer or I win. I demand you have this kind of an answer or this kind of play, or I'm just going to steamroll this game. So I think we're going to be seeing that in Grim Reminders. I am jealous of, uh, well, of course, we've got plenty of amazing playtesters who've been helping Grim Reminders get to the best it can be. And then everybody at Keyforge Celebration got some Grim Reminders deck. So yeah, let me know. Let me know if you're seeing what kind of main house mechanics you are seeing in Grim Reminders as we go. So a reminder that every house can serve as a main house, right? It's a house that you want to continually call back to back and you feel good about pressing your advantage, calling it back to back. Maybe you're going to have bigger creatures, creatures with armor, creatures with ward creatures with uh, beneficial fight and maybe healing effects, right? Skirmish for sure. Maybe 
elusive, keeping creatures on the board in a way you can continue to call it back-to-back along with perhaps some artifacts to support, and you're in a really great position if you can do some hand filtering to craft your hand for whatever the next phase of the game is. And of course, a shout-out to all those cards I mentioned for Windsor Exchange before, especially things like Space Invaders and Nyon Outpost. I have had games where turn one, I opened with Space Invaders, Nyon Outpost, Mark 1, Mark 1 Generator, and, or Mark 2 Generator, excuse me, and some other things. And man, I go straight to having four or five creatures on the board right off the bat. And I'm already reaping out getting to check most turns. And I go straight to a strong main house. So keep an eye out for stuff like that. Keep an eye out for stuff like that. It's very exciting to... to I think it's really important, and I want to thank Bouncing Death Quark. Now, not that I know if either of those guys will hear this, but I want to just thank Bouncing Death Quark for giving us a good framework to think about and understand Keyforge. There was a lot different about Keyforge when it launched. We've had, I think it was a major part of evolving design thinking, especially with regards to resources and some other things. We've seen a few of these patterns that Keyforge uses in Lorcana in Star Wars Unlimited, and shout out to some old card games that did some did a little bit of paradigm shifting in some ways. Not everything that Keyforge did, like Shadow Fist, earlier as far as resources and cards as resources and opportunity costs. Because I think Main House, Support House, and Burst House are fantastic and good frames of reference to understand Keyforge, so we can talk about it, so we can understand how things are working, so we can all understand how to be better Keyforge players. This has been Keyforge Public Radio. Tune in next week and the week after for more house rolls, uh, for more house rolls episodes, support and burst. We're going to be looking at what that meant when Bouncing Death Quark talked about it and what it has meant, especially for Winds of Exchange and for Grim Reminders. And then keep an eye out. I have signed on Second Act, one of the amazing hosts over at the Weekend Key Warriors podcast for a 2023 meta review episode. I'm very excited to dive into that with him. He is a fantastic analyst and strategic player himself, so I can't wait to dive into all the info about the 2023 meta with him, so keep an eye out for that episode as well. This has been Keyforge Public Radio. My name is Zach Armstrong. Of course, find everything, blog posts, and all that sort of thing on the website, keyforgepublicradio.com. Thanks, of course, to all of our amazing Patreon supporters who help keep the show going. Couldn't do it without you. And a special thanks to our Airwave Advocate listeners like Paul Roadrunner. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are not, you can support us on Patreon if you are so willing. And I would, of course, deeply appreciate that. Remember, the Keyforge Public Radio shop is at shop.keyforgepublicradio.com. And if you're at Keyforge Celebration, you are either wearing or seeing a bunch of people wearing some pretty sweet Keyforge Public Radio shirts. And remember, dear listener, like your radio dial, may your Keyforge skills always be well-tuned. Visit KeyForgePublicRadio.com to find all of our episodes, transcripts, blog posts, the KPR store, and more. KeyForge Public Radio is made possible with support from listeners just like you, who believe in this game and this show. When you join the Patreon, you receive access to votes on content, sneak peeks, early knowledge of interviews, access to the Discord, and other benefits. So come on down, I'd be honored if you joined us. Follow KPR on any social media platform you frequent. Just search for Keyforge Public Radio, and we're probably there. This show is produced by Rooster High Productions, which is me. 
And remember, dear listener, the most important part of Keyforge is the person across the table. <laughs>